afternoon, everyone, and thank you for taking the time to join us today for another NACTA webinar. My name is Dana Leroy. I'm the Communications Manager for NACTA. We hope you have enjoyed our recent series of virtual sessions while safe at home, and we're looking forward to continuing to deliver useful content to you this way as we all navigate a new kind of normal. The relationships that athletics departments have with their fans will certainly change in some capacity in the near future, but one thing that will not change is the ultimate goal of putting fans first. Today's session with Rick Jones looks at this new imperative coming out of the coronavirus crisis. Rick is a managing partner at Engagement, an agency dedicated to improving the fan experience through strategic framework, culture change, fan personas and journey maps, new products and services, and staff training. Rick is also the head captain of Fishbait Marketing, a sports and entertainment sponsorship sales and activations agency based in Charleston, South Carolina. Fishbait specializes in college sports, country music, food festivals, and outdoor sports. Rick is considered a fan anthropologist, is a published author of two books, hosts a 30-week podcast called From the Bridge, and is a leading public speaker. Before we begin, for our live attendees, we encourage you to ask questions during the webinar using the questions drop-down window on the webinar dashboard. We will have a lot of time for a Q&A session with Rick after today's presentation. As a reminder, a recording of this webinar, as well as the presentation slides, will be made available to all NACTA and Affiliates members via the NACTA Daily Review. And with that, I'll turn it over to Rick to kick things off. Thank you, Dana, and uh, welcome my uh, college uh, athletic uh, brothers and sisters. I appreciate and I'm honored to have a chance to share some thoughts with you today. These are obviously unprecedented times uh, for us, but I, let me say this. Um, we've had tough times before, and, and human beings have always figured out a way to come through this, and I'm absolutely confident that we will. Uh, but we're really going to have to think differently. Uh, as we go forward. And uh, that's really what I wanted to spend some time talking about today. Uh, just to give you some context, uh, in college sports, um, we, we both represent uh, corporations like Capital One or Dollar General or Warner Ladder, the, the ladder cutting down the nets, but we also sell sponsorships uh, for the College Football Hall of Fame. And our biggest client is ESPN Events that owns uh, 19 football games and 10 basketball tournaments and a variety of other things. Fish bait comes from two terms. It comes from the term you got to fish or cut bait, uh, meaning you got to have a bias for action. You got to do something. But it also comes from the term you got to bait the hook to suit the fish and not the fisherman, which is a bias for customization. And I think both action and customization are very, very important as you navigate this corona crisis. Um, as, as Dana mentioned, I'm also a managing partner at Engagement. We help organizations design experiences that really create better emotional connections for the people they serve, whether that's for your fan base or for your own staff. And we've got a number of universities that we're working with uh, today, including Penn State, uh, Charleston Southern, and some others. Um, let me tell you this, guys. I I've been where you are. No matter what your job is, trust me, I've been there. I started my career. I was a student athlete at Georgia Southern, a mid-major. I was a college soccer and head basketball coach at Swanee, a Division III school in my 20s. I was an assistant basketball coach at Georgia State, uh, also a mid-major. I became the marketing director at a Power 5 school at Georgia Tech, working for the legendary AD uh, 
Homer Rice. Uh, I've been a sports marketing professor at both Georgia State and at the University of South Carolina. And I've spent now 35 years as a sports marketing agency executive. And I've worked with the NCAA and with the American Football Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, at numerous corporate clients, and have been a consultant to both the ACC and the SEC and the numerous universities. So I, I, I feel your pain. I mean, I really do know where you are today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about some facts, some opinions, and some recommendations today. L let me say this. You're not going to agree with everything I say nor should you, um, because there are my opinions. Uh, and, and I hope you beg to differ. But what I'm trying to do today is get you to begin to think totally different. I, I, I'm going to say this. The greatest weapon we have in a crisis are our collective brains. The human mind can solve problems, can create opportunities, can look for and discover solutions. And, but to do that, I think we've got to think a little bit differently about that. Everybody wants to know what is the new normal. Let me tell you two things. It will be new <laughs> and it won't be normal. We're not going back to where we were 45 days ago. We're not ever going back there. And you have to understand that going forward. Uh, uh, I, uh, Einstein, Albert Einstein had the best definition of insanity I ever heard. He said, it's doing the same things over and over and over again, hoping for different results. If you think you can continue to do the same things and we're gonna recover from this in collegiate athletics, I think you're sadly mistaken. But here's the problem. We rarely see things as they are. See, we see things as we are. We see things as we are as individuals and then collectively we see things as they are as institutionals. And we gotta change the way we think y'all. And to do that, we've got to reconsider and re-engineer almost everything that we're doing going forward. Now, I have this formula for change. Uh, I can't see you out there, but all of you raise your hand if you love change. Nobody likes change. I mean, nobody likes change. We fight change, but we're going to have to change. And so my formula is D plus V plus P. All of those things are less than the cost of the change. The D stands for dissatisfaction. We're going to have to have a need to change. And trust me, we're going to have to change. Because as we go out of this pandemic into arenas and stadiums and fields, as we provide services for student athletes and fans, we're going to have to do it differently. You marry that D with the V, which stands for vision. And that's the future scenario based on the circumstances where we are. Based on the fact we need to change, where do we need to go? And you do that with what? The P, the process. How do you get to where we are today to where you want to be? And all that is what? All that has to be less than the cost of the change. And here's what I think about change. It's usually emotional. We have to fight, well, we've always done it this way, or, hey, it won't work here, or, hey, that's how everyone else in college athletics does it. And the one that we hear often we don't have the resources to do that. Change is a process. And with no apologies to my friends at Nike, you just have to just do it. The D stands for what? Decide. Today. Today, coming out of this seminar, you're going to change the way you think, the way you prepare, the way you serve, the way you sell, the way you service, because the old way is over. Secondly, the O stands for observe. What's going on around us? You've got to deal with reality. 
I should have named this presentation today the reality doctor. I'm going to be very blunt in what I think is realism coming out of this today. But hopefully from that, you're going to have some new learnings and some new ways to implement. The I stands for then you've got to take all this information and you've got to create it into a product. You've got to think and collaborate and ideate, uh, innovate, play. And this is where everybody's got to play. I was reminded of a story the other day. There's a leak in the boat and two guys are sitting in the front of the boat and they say, God, aren't you glad the leak's in the back of the boat? <laughs> hey, the boat's sinking. Uh, it's going to take all hands on deck right now. And that means that your teammates are more important than, than ever before. Uh, and you need to lean on each other to be more successful. And finally, the tease what? We've got to try things. We're going to have to try things we haven't tried before. We're going to test and tweak and try again. Because I know this, failure gets us closer to success um, than success does. And so we're going to have to do that. As I mentioned, a leader's number one job today is to identify reality. So I'm going to give you some thoughts on where I think we are today. Number one, you're not going to get the money back you lost. You're just not. Some of you have lost shares of March Madness revenues. You haven't gotten the percentage that you would hope from the NCAA. You've lost all your spring sport revenues. Uh, you've lost any kind of interest income you would maybe had from prepaid football season tickets. Um, the other current situation is this. I know there are more unknowns than knowns. And it's going to be that way for a while. Uh, I think uncertainty creates more worry than bad news. I think we can live with bad news when we know what is the bad news. But you're all sitting out there. Many of you have been maybe furloughed or you've had salaries cut or you've, you just don't know what to do because we don't know what's coming. I get that. Um, so I'm not going to deal with the unknowns today. I'm just going to deal with the knowns. And I encourage you every day to get up in your work day and deal with the knowns. Because if you deal with the unknowns, it'll make you absolutely crazy. So here's fact number one, fans pay for everything. And I hope you have taken the time to realize that this is the case in intercollegiate athletics. In good times and now in bad times, fans pay for everything. Fans pay for everything now think about all the revenue streams that you have television rights fees if nobody watches tv there are no rights fees fans pay for rights fees there are no corporate sponsors without fans and if fans don't support those businesses there are no corporate sponsors fans donate to the athletic department fans buy tickets fans then buy hot dogs they pay for parking they pay for programs they pay for licensed products like hats and parkas Fans pay for special events and activities. You may not have thought about this before, but for those of you that depend on state funding for your institutions and your athletic departments, fans pay state income taxes. And for many fans, students, they pay student activity fees that often funds your athletic departments or part of your athletic departments. Fans literally are the bank of college athletics. Now, what's frightening is that um, I recently spoke to a, um, um, a Power Five conference uh, leadership, and they talked about all of their uh, initiatives and activities and priorities in their strategic plan 
they had six tent poles for their athletic department and none of the six mentioned the fame. None. They, you know, obviously mentioned servicing student athletes, but nobody thought about uh, how are we going to fund all this going forward. And so the truth is, I think that was not an outlier. I think very few of your athletic departments have fans at or near the top of their priorities in your strategic plan. And that's a problem because again, fans are your bank. So here's my first recommendation. Fans need to go to the top of your priority list right now. You must have a plan to better engage with fans, to better communicate with fans, to listen to your fans, to thank your fans, and yes, to love on your fans. Stephen Stills wrote a song years ago that said, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Fans are going to expect you to do everything to keep them safe and free of the coronavirus. That's the new expectation. Remember post 9-11, the first time you went and got on an airplane, the first time you went through TSA and the nerves that you had and how you were concerned about what it was going to be like. Well, that's where we are with fans today. I saw a survey earlier this week that was taken by Seton Hall University that 72% of the respondents said they would not come back to an event until there was a vaccine for this virus. Those that do come back are going to expect you to do more than you've ever done. Now, what does that actually mean? Heck if I know, we don't know that yet, but we do know this, whatever you do is gonna cost you more money. It's gonna cost you more time, more energy and more money. Fact number two, most of your athletic departments depend on third party revenues. You depend on state tax money, you depend on TV rights money. You, for those schools that are large enough to have a multimedia rights holder like a Learfield IMG or an Outfront or JMI, you're dependent upon those company guarantees. You're dependent upon donations from both individuals, foundations, and institutions. And yes, you're dependent upon, in many cases, student activity fees. Here's my second opinion. I think all of you are probably either on institutional welfare or you're on what I call institutional cocaine or you're both. What do I mean by welfare? You really truly believe the state will bail you out. What do I mean by cocaine? You're used to somebody else's money walking in the door and handing it to you. And I truly believe that none of you have saved any of your welfare money or your cocaine money. You've got nothing in reserves because the way we operate intercollegiate athletics is we spend all the money annually. We don't have anything in the in the silo. There's no grain in the silo. And I'm going to say this, and this is harsh, but many of your institutions and athletic departments are either broke or will be broke. Fact number three, we're seeing the government can't fix this. There's not enough money in the federal budget, the state budget and the local budgets to pay all of our bills and all of their bills coming out of this for a long, long time. We applied for the PPP. We didn't get it. Nobody's gotten it that I know about. It's in many ways, it's a facade, but here's the truth. There's not enough money to fund every business in America. It will not happen. And so my opinion is that there will be little to zero government money for athletic departments. Because right now, states also 
are now or soon will be broke themselves. Why is that? There's no taxes being paid. There's no um, sales taxes being paid. Uh, there's going to be little income taxes being paid. They're going to run out of money. And again, the federal government, y'all, cannot continue to both print money and borrow money because we can't do that to the next generation of Americans. Fact number four, corporate sponsors are not paying your MMR partners. I'm telling you, I'm doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of buyers and nobody's spending. Right now, the ones that you have as sponsors are working with your MMR on the make goods for the losses that they had in their spring assets. And they're not sure when or if college sports is gonna return. They have significant other financial priorities like how do we keep our people alive? And they're canceling all expenditures if they can. So my fourth opinion is this, your MMR is not going to be able to pay you. In fact, I think some may go bankrupt. Some may look at force majeure language that says, I don't owe you any money, it's an act of God. They have furloughed, many of them, lots and lots of their staff, and many of their staff, the third-party staff, are those that had service sponsors on your behalf. What's going to happen if those people don't come back? Ultimately, y'all are going to have three choices. You're going to keep the MMR that you have with new terms, and I hope you'll do that because it's not their fault. Or you're going to say, you know what, you violated your contract. I'm going to shop my rights out to another third party. Or you can do something that I think some of you really should consider which is, hey, take my rights back. Let me get back in control of selling sponsorships and advertising and promotions myself. Fact number five, ESPN is the largest broadcast rights holder in college athletics. Number two is not even close to number one. ESPN is owned by Disney. Disney is hemorrhaging money. There's no theme park attendance. There are no Disney hotels that are full. They have no movie theater rentals. They have no cruise ship guests. And I heard from a senior executive at Disney this week that said they're 30% under their ad projections. And so they're hemorrhaging money. Thank goodness for Disney Plus, because that might be the only source of income they have. So my opinion number five is this, your TV rights holder may, may not, but may seek to renegotiate these rights payment schedules and assets that they receive, especially for the non-Power Five conferences. And let's face it, there's a trickle down here. For those of you that are in Division II and Division Three. you exist. Your championships are funded 100% by the men's Division I basketball tournament. 98.5% of the NCAA operating budget comes from a tournament that did not happen this year. And so, again, I've been to Mark Emmert's office in uh, Indianapolis. There's no money tree in that office. Um, and so... Um, it's going to be tough for, for the media people. Uh, I have a lot of Disney stock and um, it's not doing so well right now because there's not any revenues there. Fact number six, if you're a donor, it's awful hard to pay donations when you don't have a job, you don't have a business, or when your investment and retirement fund is in free fall. If you've looked at the stock market the last two days, it continues to plummet. So my opinion is you better watch for donors to either cancel what they said they were going to give you or ask for relief in terms of the payment terms or maybe even both. Fact number seven, most students are going to be having financial difficulties. Your students have lost their jobs. Equally important, their parents have either lost their jobs or they've lost investment income or a combination of both. 
We've also seen that many students may move to online attendance. They've gotten used to being at home and their parents may say, I can't afford to put you back in the dorm. Continue to stay home and be a student at home. Well, what happens then? They don't pay student activity fees. And if they don't pay student activity fees, that money's lost for you too. So my last opinion is you better watch out for a complete revolt by students on student activity fees that they may perceive as providing little or no value directly for them. Fact number eight, your fans come in a variety of shapes and sizes. No one model reaches each and all fan segments. And so micro-targeting will be essential for your survival. And let me say this, every fan will count. Everything will count. And here's my opinion. Many of you are ill-equipped to target fans by segments and fan personas. We have had, we've lived off the largest of the land that one size fits all. And it's been easy for us. We've been on cocaine, we've been on welfare. And so many of us collectively lack the knowledge, the skills, and the resources, both the money and the staff, to do the things that are going to be necessary to attract fans to come back to games and participate with your programs. Okay, now you're saying, okay, Rick, we appreciate you sharing all this joy with us today. Um, my wife looked at my notes and said, uh, honey, are you a cancer salesman? And I said, no, but I wanted to paint the brutal truth to everybody today, because once you identify reality, then you can move on. Let me give you the best news of all. And this is the good news. What we do matters, and it will matter more than ever before. People need to connect. They need to escape. They need to share experiences. They need to give back, and they need to be part of their tribes. We do that. You do that every day. We have a product that will be the most popular product coming out of the coronavirus. People will flock back when it's safe to do so. So I'm going to give you 10 recommendations of what I think you can do with where we are today that will help your program. Number one, I want you to accept that this is not going to be easy. This is going to be really, really hard. For those of you that were athletes before you got into the marketing side, remember how hard practice was? Remember how hard it was to master skills? That's great because you've been there. I know this. I'm a big John Maxwell fan who's the leading expert on leadership in the world today. And he says this. He says everything in life, worthwhile in life, is always uphill. Okay? It's always uphill. The hill just got a little steeper. Deal with it, y'all. It's not going to be easy. Every day is going to be hard. Your attitude and your aptitude is everything right now. Combine grit with the gifts that you have, and that's going to lead you to success. Number two, you got to partner with your partners. Look, your MMR partner that's out trying to get revenue, they're hurting too. And in many cases, you've said, hey, that's their business. I'm getting my check. I don't need to be helping them. You do now. You need to be available. You need to be engaged. You need to be helpful. You need to be flexible. You need to be understanding. The old rules don't count. We got to write new rules. You better be a partner with your TV partners. Jimmy Pataro is the CEO of ESPN. He doesn't have a money tree in his office either. 
you need to help their advertisers by potentially giving them assets on your campus. I know somebody's going to say, well, they haven't paid for those rights. Well, they really have. Because again, if there's no advertisers, there's no rights fee money. And finally, y'all all need to help each other. Anybody that says to their boss, that's not my job, you have permission to shoot them, okay? It's everybody's job right now. All hands on deck, how can I be helpful? What can I do to make a difference? Number three, you need to start selling fan services versus assets. You gotta work with your sponsors to create new and improved services for your fans that they can sponsor and get credit for, for bringing that to the fans, especially in the new areas of safety and cleanliness. And you need to let sponsors take all the credit for bringing that because we're gonna have to help them regain their businesses and their customers through partnering with us. Number four, you need to think about sponsors differently than you ever have before. You need to think about them kind of the way you think about donors. Use them as investment banks versus ATMs. Same amount of money, but think what a sponsor can provide for you or pay for you now that adds value and maybe long range value versus just writing you a check. Is there some improvement in your stadium or arena you wanna make that you could partner with a brand to bring that experience alive that will last you and can be monetized for a longer, longer time? I've been preaching the gospel of saying to people on football game day, your fans are in your stadium for three hours, but they're on your campus for nine hours. How do you monetize those other six hours? How do you monetize things outside of your stadium and arenas? You know, one of the things I thought about fans today, I, I went to, um, I got in my car, I'm nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm sequestered here on the island. And I finally had had enough and I got in my car and I drove out to uh, Cherry Point to, to the boat ramp. And of course the boat ramp's closed too, you can't get in, but there's a big old grassy field and there were several dozen families out uh, picnicking. They were staying, you know, a, a distance apart, but they were picnicking. I thought, you know, you ought to ask people to come back and picnic on your football field. You got to get people to begin to get a little bit comfortable with coming into your venues before they're comfortable enough to come to your venues with a whole lot of people. Number five, and this is critical, you better use your coaches differently. Now, I'm going to say this about many of you. Some of you that work in athletics are actually afraid of your coaches. Yeah, I've worked with coaches my whole life, and I'm certainly not afraid of them, okay? Coaches make a lot of money to coach, but guess what? There's nobody to coach right now. You got to use your coaches as brand ambassadors because they are the face of your program. And here's what I would be doing. If I'm an athletic director, I'm having every coach every morning take an hour to call key season ticket holders and thank them for what they do, to call key donors and to call all of the sponsors and prospects and say, we appreciate you. We love you. We can't wait to see you come back here. I would hold Zoom chats daily with various constituents that your coaches host. Use your coaches. Number six, use your student athletes differently. You got to ask yourself this question. Are student athletes entitled or are they thankful? Well, guess what? They better be thankful now. In a world where people are losing jobs, in a world where students are not going to be able to pay for tuition, many student athletes have lots of things to be thankful for. And so let's use them right now. 
let's have student athletes call ticket holders to thank them and tell them they can't wait to see them back on the campus at the games. Here's an idea that my daughter gave me. My daughter's home. She's got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. She's trying to work at home. She's trying to teach them at home. And she called me and said, Dad, get some of your athletes to lead PE classes online for my kids. Give me 30 minutes so they can do jumping jacks with a coach or with a student athlete. That's a big idea. You want to, you want to, you can do that. You can, you can have a Zoom uh, 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 event uh, for your fan base where kids can see your athletes doing some things. More than ever, your student athletes need to thank students, especially students that pay student activity fees. And here's an idea. When the freshman class finally comes back to your institution, have your student athletes move them in. Have your football team say, I got the box. I'm, I'm, I'm going to carry it upstairs. That would set a signal like nothing else. And finally, I'm going to encourage you to get your athletes to participate in one highly visible community service or charity endeavor. We've done a significant amount of research at Fishbane looking at past pandemics, at past catastrophes, and one clear thing has emerged. After a bad situation, Americans want to give back. They want businesses that give back. They want organizations that can give back. And when they see student athletes giving back, I think it could be very successful. One of the things that the firemen do in Charleston, South Carolina, where I live, is twice a year, they take their fire boots and they stand on corners and we throw dollar bills or change in there. And all that money goes to charity. You could take your football uh, uh, players and put them in their jerseys and take their helmets and hold their helmets out People could throw money in the helmets knowing that's going for a food bank or to the Red Cross or to nurses or first responders or something like that. That's going to make a difference. Who Who's the person, I think Norman Vincent Peale, that said, no one cares what you know until they know how much you care. We need student athletes to care more than ever before. Number seven, use student labor like never before. You don't have enough resources right now. Go partner with department heads in key degree majors to identify students and then utilize those students in every way possible. Train them, empower them, and then put them to work. Especially get students to create value in related programming for other students in relationship to your athletic department. I'm old fashioned enough to believe that many kids come to college to get a job. Okay, give them a head start. Give them a resume builder. Put them to work in your athletic department. Everybody, everybody on this phone should get an intern, a student intern to help you do the stuff that you can give them to do, that you can get on to doing the things that you need to do to make you better. Number eight, again, create ways collectively to help charities. I mentioned all the studies show this. So use all of your constituents, your fans, your athletes, your coaches, your sponsors to help raise money or provide services for local charities. The, we're out of blood right now, y'all. We're out of blood. The Red Cross, when we bring people back uh, to the campus, we can do blood drives on game days. We can collect food. We can tell every fan that's tailgating, bring something for a food bank and we can distribute. Here's another crazy idea. Charities are gonna really suffer because none of us have any disposable income. We've lost our jobs. We don't have any, we're just trying to pay our bills. Charities are gonna suffer. You currently use temporary staff on game days. And it's really become hard 
to get great staff on game days. Here's an idea. Why don't you pay a charity to bring their volunteers to be your game day temporary staff? Go to the American Cancer Society. They've got great volunteers and say, you know, instead of walking in a fun run or, or participating in something, come today and work one of my football games as a ticket taker or as an usher uh, or in our concession stands or wherever you use temporary staff, we'll write a check to the American Cancer Society or to a, another charity uh, from that standpoint. At Fishbait, we recently trademarked a new tagline for ourselves. And this is the tagline. When we get back together, let's give back together. That's what I want y'all to think about. When we all get back together, can we find ways to give back together? Number nine, do everything in your power you can for your fans. You got to provide better services, better food, cleaner, safer facilities, a much safer environment, better recognition. Y'all, it's simple. You got to love them more than you ever did before. And you got to thank them more than you ever did before. That first fan that walks through a turnstile, that ticket taker needs to look them in the eye and say, thank you for being here and mean it. And when they leave, to leave the arena or the stadium, you need to say to that fan, we appreciate you. We love you. We thank you. We hope you'll be back next week. And finally, my last step is this. Each of you be the best you you can be. Be the best you. Be grateful you work in college athletics, y'all. What, what a joy to work in this industry. Be thankful, be grateful. Be thankful for your teammates. Be thankful for the leadership at your school. Be thankful for NACTA for what they're trying to do right now to help create a tide that helps and benefits all of us. The foundation of leadership is humility. Be humble right now. Nobody has all the answers. Anybody that tells you they have all the answers right now is a liar or a fool or both. You be humble. Take advantage of being home to get better and improve every day. I'm home. I was bored. I got my son in. He filmed a video series that we launched on Monday. It is a six-part series. It's up on YouTube. It's free. It's everything I've learned in 35 years of how to sell sponsorships. That's a free resource for you. There are other free resources that NACTA and others are providing for you every day. Get better. I don't know about y'all, but I looked so forward to Sunday night to watching the last dance on ESPN about the final championship that the Bulls and Michael Jordan won. And one of the key things that came out for everybody that talked about Michael Jordan was what? That sucker got better every day. He got up every day and said, how do I get better? What are you doing to get better? And finally, y'all, feed your faith and not your fear. There's a wonderful story about a Cherokee Indian grandfather, and he takes his young grandson for a walk, and he turns to the little boy and he says, son, in every man there lives two wolves. There's a bad wolf and there's a good wolf. And the little boy turns to his granddaddy and says, what wolf wins? And his granddaddy says, the one you feed. Feed your faith and not your fear. Now, at Engagement and at Fishbait, I mean this, we're here to help you. We're here to be a resource for you. 
We have a lot of experienced subject matter experts. We have a significant amount of wisdom. We really do understand various fan segments and personas and journey maps to engage with fans. We understand the sponsorship process. We've got social and digital sites, again, some of which I've mentioned that are available to you. My partner who you listened to, I think last week, David Belay, he's got a podcast called Flip the Switch with great people. Go do that. Go back and listen to my From the Bridge uh, first season, 30 smart, smart people talking about various things uh, in the business. Watch our podcast, watch our seminars. And finally, put us on your team. Don't worry about how you pay for it right now. We know you don't have any money. Figure out a way in this crisis to use us. We'll figure out how to get paid later. And that later could be a year from now or two years from now. Right now in the crisis, we're here to help you in any way that we can. So God bless you. Stay safe. And now, Dana, I'll uh, take any questions that people may have. All right. Thanks, Rick. That was a lot, a lot to take in. I think we got some great recommendations. Um, got a couple questions coming in. Um, so we'll start off. Um, you know, we you talked about um, the difference between talking about the unknowns and focusing on the knowns, um, which makes sense, obviously, to focus on what we can control. But is there something that administrators can do um, as we start to get back together and in, in these meetings to kind of steer others away from going down those unknown rabbit holes that we have no control over? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the things that I'm real big on is what I call scenario planning. Scenario planning, number one is we're going to be fine. We're going to open the season on time. We got a plan for that. Okay. Now, even with that plan, we know we're going to have to look safe. We're going to have to have Purell available. We're going to have to have people cleaning bathrooms differently. One of my pet peeves for years is how nasty portalettes are in, uh, in um, uh, tailgating areas, you know, nobody's going to go in them. Uh, and so you better have cleaning crews that can begin to do those kinds of things. There, there's going to be a tendency. Coach Wooden used to say something that I really liked. He said, never confuse activity with achievement. And one of the things that we're all going to have a, a tendency to do is fill up our glass. It's be busy because we feel like if we're being busy, we keep our jobs. It's not about being busy. It's about being effective. And so reprioritize the things you're doing and say, what am I doing today that brings the most value to the enterprise? And then do away with everything else. Focus on what is going to be meaningful. And I hope some of my recommendations are things that will be meaningful. You'll be surprised if a fan got a call from your head coach, you just said, we love you, we appreciate you, come back to see us. That That's gonna mean the cash register's gonna ring. That means that fan's gonna going to be back in a bigger, bigger way. But senior management right now needs to lead. Um, you know, great leaders emerge in times of, tri of trial. Um, I, I played for a coach in college, and his favorite expression was, hey, anybody can go when they're well. And he's right. Anybody can go when it's good times. They're not good times now. Now we we find out who, who are the contenders and who are the pretenders. And But here's what I'm also going to say. I run an agency. I do not have all the answers. If you look for your athletic director or your president at your university to have all the answers, you're wrong. They're, they're as confused and as worried as the rest of us. And so instead of 
predicting rain. I have a Noah's Ark over here in my corner that I look at every day. And that means don't tell me it's raining. I know it's raining. Bring me an ark. Before you go to your boss with a problem, go to your boss with a suggested solution. They know it's raining. Build an ark. Okay, you touched on this a little bit, um, talking about you know relationships with donors and sponsors, but do you have some tips about maintaining good relationships with these individuals on you know the fundraising side and the sponsorship side um, during these times, like you said, when payments are either you know canceled completely for the year or perhaps just put on hold? How do we maintain those positive contacts with them during this time? Well, I think number one, you know, one of the greatest attributes you can show is empathy. You know, uh, you know, I I mentioned the PPP earlier, and uh, you know, we applied for the PPP through our bank, and we didn't get the first round of of stuff. And you know, some of our people said, "I can't believe some of these big businesses got it and we didn't get it." And I was like, "Look, that waitress at uh, at Ruth Chris Steakhouse had just as much right to that money as we did." And, and so I think you need to be empathetic to everybody out there. Everybody's lost jobs. Everybody's had cuts. Everybody's struggling. And I, I think the initial conversation with a, with a sponsor or a donor or a ticket holder is just to say, we understand where you are. Um, we, we get it. Um, we understand there's challenges. And we want you to know we're going to be here when you're ready to come back. I would also remind sponsors, though, you're not going to save your way out of this mess. It's going to be those that can spend money effectively and appropriately. So you need to look at some of your sponsorship assets and say, did that really matter? I mean, candidly, does a sign on your jumbotron really matter? And maybe you start re-engineering assets to say, how do I help this company sell more stuff? Um, because if you can help someone, if you can legitimately help someone's business, um, they're, they're going to spend money with you. We're still in our agency spending money with folks that can help our business because they've identified ways to create value. So empathy, value creation, and look, all things being even, friends buy from friends, all things being uneven, friends buy from friends. You just need to be their friend. You need to be a friend of every fan you have, of every student you have, of every professor you have, of every alumnus you have, of every fan you have, every sponsor you have. And, and the way you do that is just be a friend. Be the friend you want them to be to you. Okay. Um, so this question is um, talking about sending out invitations for fundraising events months in advance. Um, and we've had a couple questions come through about fundraising events that are still scheduled for mid to end of June. Um, what are your recommendations on moving forward with that and maybe start the promoting now when they typically would um, or any tips on, you know, the timeline for that? You know, they don't want to run the risk of not sending an out, out enough information. Should everything be okay in a couple more weeks? What do you think? Well, that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to say this. If you, if you drive a car, it's a lot harder to accelerate from zero to 60 than to break from 60 to zero. I, I would err on the caution of move ahead. Uh, Jimmy Buffett wrote a wonderful song about Katrina, and the tagline goes, breathe in, breathe out, move on. Let's move on. I mean, we may have to abort that 
event. We may have to cancel that event, but you can't prepare for that event and invite people to that event uh, too late. And so I would err on the caution of let's, I think people like some degree of normalcy, <laughs> some degree of hope. And you can always call them back and say, I'm sorry, we had to cancel that late June a fundraising event, that barbecue or whatever it was. But right now, I think people want to see hope. And um, hope for events, I think, goes a long way right now. People are practical. They realize things may be canceled. I did participate in a call the other day with some senior executives um, in collegiate sports. And, and Mike Pence, the vice president, had talked to a number of people. And I think the conventional wisdom is that everybody in intercollegiate athletics is going to wait till June 1st before they make any radical decisions. We, that's six weeks away. A lot of things can change in six weeks. I live in a climate with a lot of heat and humidity. I'm hoping that thing kills the virus, um, or at least puts it at bay for, for right now. Um, so again, to answer your question, I, I, I would proceed as if it's going to happen. Okay, this kind of goes off of that a little bit, and, and you know, you touched on it briefly, but um, what's some advice that you have on exactly how to communicate communicate clearly to fans that it is safe to come back. You know, what it, What does that look like whenever it does happen? You said, you know, fans will come back when they know it's safe. Well, how do we bridge that gap and assure them that we're doing all that we can to provide them that safe environment that they're looking for? I think three things. I think number one, you have to be completely transparent. You know, one of my frustrations with the federal government is a whole bunch of people that we send to Washington are patting themselves on the back of doing a great job, and yet it's not trickling down to, to people where it's needed. There's a lack of transparency of, about reality. Whatever you're doing, um, I think you need to, to be completely transparent about what you're doing and what you're not doing. Um, uh, secondly, I think you've just got to overly communicate. You know, we've got uh, hand washing stations everywhere. We, we may not have open concession stands. We may deliver uh, food from our concession stands to your seats. Um, um, we may, you know, I went to Cuba in January a year ago and before I could get off, the, you know, my sailboat onto any uh, of the cities in Cuba, they took my temperature. You know, they stuck it up there and took my temperature to make sure I was okay. Some of that may happen. I want to remind you that during 9-11, if you remember post 9-11, how so many of the TSA people would search little old ladies. And it wasn't because they thought little old ladies were threats. It gave little old ladies the confidence that they were searching everybody. If they're searching me, they gotta be searching everybody. And so it was a little bit of a smoke screen. I think you're gonna have to do some smoke screens um, with your, your fans to let them feel safe. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think we're naive to tell fans, um, we can guarantee that you're not going to get the coronavirus on our campus. I, I think I can't tell somebody you're not going to catch a cold or you're not going to get the regular flu or you're not going to get chicken pox. I mean, I can't do that. And so I, I, I just think, um, transparency, number one overly communication number two and some visual things like maybe you park a Perel truck by the gate um, to let them see that you're doing everything that you can. Doug Thornton did a really interesting podcast with uh, David Malay a couple of weeks ago. Doug works for AEG and 
one of the things that came out of that podcast was he said that he thought it would cost to completely disinfect the basketball arena after every game would cost an additional $100,000. So I, I can't tell you it's going to be cheap. Um, you know, draw your draw your triangle, three points on your triangle, good, fast, and cheap. You want it good and you want it fast, or it ain't going to be cheap. <laughs> you want it good and cheap, it's not going to be fast. And you want it fast and cheap, it ain't going to be any good. So I think it's got to be good and fast, and that means it's going to cost you money. So going off of that and costing money, you know, a lot of your recommendations, I love them because they, you know, can apply to anybody, no matter the size of the institution. I think that's what we struggle with a lot, not just in this time, but, you know, in times when we thought things were normal is that what separates us 100% of the time is the money. So a lot of these recommendations, you don't need money to be empathetic to people. You don't need money to get better in this time. There's a lot of things that people can do, whether you're in the AD chair or you're just starting out to really improve yourself in this business. But some of that stuff does come back to money. And you talked about how we can um, monetize the campus experience for um, the fans when they do come back, you know, because they are on campus for a longer period of time than just the event. So how does that monetizing experience look for the smaller schools who don't have that built in already? Well, I think number one, I, I still believe, and no disrespect from my friends in the multimedia rights business, I still believe that 90 to 95%, and in the cases of small schools, 100% of your revenues are local. Okay. You know, how do you celebrate your local businesses? I, I'm a Georgia Southern graduate. You know, how do I celebrate the businesses? I've got a dear friend who owns the Chick fil A in Statesboro. How do I? in the athletics help celebrate Chick-fil-A's success in Statesboro? How, how do I help their business in a way that's meaningful for everybody? I'm going to say this too. The old adage of saying, well, I'm worth X, you better take Y. Because right now, if you get a dollar from somebody, that's a dollar more than you got. So I, I would be very price insensitive right now um, and, um, and look for people to do to do anything with you. In terms of monetization of things outside, I saw something that Texas did for a charity. Uh, one of their charities host a, a, a road game viewing party. I never thought about that, but this particular charity sets up a tailgate party for a game that Texas is playing, Iowa State and Ames, Iowa. And so on the campus there, it, it raises money. And so I think there's you gotta just think outside of the box about what kinds of things that you can do. Um, and then part of it is what I call a financial conversion. If you're going to advertise anyway, advertise with us. Okay. I mean, if you're going to spend to incent something for your associates and thank them for hanging in there during the pandemic, spend with us, have a picnic with us, buy tickets from us, um, have your holiday party with us. <laughs> Uh, have Thanksgiving with us. Um, I just think we got to think differently. But the way you're going to do that is to remind them how important your institution is to the community. I say this often. What would happen to your town if you picked your university up and moved it 400 miles away? What would happen to Athens, Georgia, if the University of Georgia picked it up, and moved to Columbus? I'll tell you what would happen. Businesses would go out of business. So you need to remind the business how important the institution is to the ecosystem of the community. 
and at the same time be thankful for those that are that are recognizing that and spending money with you from that standpoint. This is the one that everybody's got to get in the ark together or we drown. And so I, I think big schools, little schools, it doesn't matter. Look at your ecosystem. Look at where there can be dollars. Look at where there can be dollar conversions. If you need a season ticket campaign, you can't afford it now, get a sponsor to do it. Now, they can't write you a check for the rights to do that, okay? I mean, you gotta forget that mindset right now. Let them just say, whatever you can do to help, we got a hole in the boat, <laughs> help us bail. Um, and so I think you're just gonna have to think differently about that. But I think every size institution can, can do things differently and have success. Great, we have time for just a couple more questions. Um, so Rick, before this started, you and I were talking and um, you we talked about the idea in these times that you know, for people like yourself that plan so far ahead, long-term planning has shifted, right? And now long-term planning is, is tomorrow, is what we're looking at. How does that affect administrators in college athletics shifting that mindset, you know, from a professional and a personal standpoint? How can we, how do we deal with that change so abruptly? Well, if I really had a great answer for that, I'd probably bottle it. Um, um, you, you know, I, I'm going to say this. Um, I think number one, as human beings, we, we need to take care of ourselves and our health and our families and be in a mindset to accept change and, and, and figure that out. And I'll, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cowboy. I've been a cowboy my whole life. That, that's my personality. Uh, I'm always looking to ride over the next hill. I like change. I, you know, if it's not broken, break it. A lot of people are not that way. And, and so change is hard for them. Don't be afraid or don't be hesitant to blow up yesterday's plan today. That may, it may be crazy, but you better live in the moment. Coach Wooden talked about the precious present. Uh, you can't do anything about yesterday. We have no idea the predictability of tomorrow today. What can you do today? And you may find that tomorrow that everything you did today didn't matter, but it did matter today, or at least you thought it did. And so stay in the moment and please, please, please be flexible. Um, you know, John Maxwell, again, who's this leadership guru, he starts every podcast by saying, my name is John and I'm your friend. And his, his um, uh, minute with Maxwell today that I get a subscription to, it was, uh, my name is John, I'm your friend, and fear is not your friend. Anxiety is not your friend. Worry is not your friend. So you got to eliminate those. Um, but I'm telling you, you know, think about being an athlete and being right-handed and you break your right thumb. <laughs> now you got to play left-handed. That's where we are. And um, and so you just got to, you got to be adaptable in every way. And, and, and here's the deal, look to use your strengths and not your weaknesses. Um, that's what coaches do every day. You know, how, how do we use the strengths of athletes uh, in the context of the team, not the weaknesses of athletes, the strengths, use your strengths in every way possible. Identify your strengths, articulate your strengths, and for some of those in a junior position, raise your freaking hand. Go up to a boss or your boss's boss and say, I got capacity. I can do something. What can I do? Take work off somebody else's plate so they can get on to doing something 
uh, and filling up their plate with something else. Yeah, that kind of rolls right into what I was going to finish up asking you is, you know, you mentioned in times of crisis, leaders step up, right? And it doesn't take much now to be a leader. What you would say specifically to those young professionals who are, you know, kind of adapt, we're all adapting to working remotely, but how do they, how do they step up and, and what should they say to their bosses? How do they show that they can be a leader in these times too? Again, I'll go back to the analogy about teams, you know, we all knew who the leader was on the team, whether he was designated, he or she, the captain or not. <laughs> I mean, you can walk in the room and figure out who the leader is. Okay, just be that leader. Just take turf. People want to follow people. And if nobody's leading, then you lead. Nature abhors a vacuum. Lead. And again, do what you can do. You know, somebody said this the other day. I love this quote. It said, if you can't do great things, do all the little things great. You do enough little things great, suddenly we got collectively great things. Um, but I think right now in America and in the world, and again, I'm 66 years old. You may say, Rick, you're, you're old and you're a fossil. I worry we have a leadership gap. I worry we lack leaders. And athletics should create leaders. And I go back to my boss, Homer Rice. You know, I'm a 30-year-old um, fired basketball coach that needed a career path. And he made me his marketing director. And he gave me a book called Leadership Through Athletics. And it was a step-by-step -step way to be leading. And here I am 36 years later, I use the same thing. Homer showed me how to lead. And um, Leadership can be taught. You can get better at it every day. Uh, and there's lots and lots of tools out there to make you a leader. But at the end of the day, I or other people can teach you how to lead, but no one can make you lead. Only you can do that. And that's just stepping up and having the guts to say, follow me. Now, I'll say this about leadership. Don't tell them what to do. Show them what to do. You know? I mean, I know this, if you, if you study scripture, Jesus didn't tell the apostles what to do. He, he, he showed them, he led them, he walked with them. That's how you lead, okay? It, it's not what you say, it's what you do. One of the things that's gonna emerge out of this is crisis does not build character. It simply reveals it. Where are your values? Your values are going to be revealed. And like, like my company right now, hey, we got no business, but I'm going into my savings to pay my people because that's my family. We run a family business. You're either going to walk the talk or you're going to talk the talk. I'm going to walk the talk. These are my, these are my babies. These are my flocks. Look around you. Who are your flocks? Take care of them. This was about one of your biggest flocks your fans. Take care of your fans. They'll find a way to take care of you. Great. Thank you so much, Rick. That concludes today's webinar. We appreciate you lending your time and expertise to all of our NACTA and affiliates members today. And to our members, thank you all again for joining us. And we hope to see you online again very soon.